Welcome to Attune and Align, the podcast. I'm your host, Marissa Lavalette, and I'm the founder of Attune and Align, a community for women who attune to the calling of their heart and take action to align their lives accordingly. Thank you so much for joining us today, and I'm so glad you're here. On Attune and Align podcast, we showcase the stories of real women who say hell yes to their dreams and do whatever it takes to manifest the outcomes they want to see in their lives. We hope you'll leave today's episode feeling inspired, energized, and excited to take your very own first step on your journey towards living life on your own terms. Today, I have the pleasure of introducing you to my friend, Melanie Akule, the founder of Minwo and the host of Activating Your Allyship Journey webinar. Melanie has spent the majority of her career transforming data from underutilized assets to actionable insights for her customers. With her extensive experience in both business and technology, she has combined these passions and skills to create Minwo, a tech company leveraging the power of data to build products that address closing the racial wealth gap. She believes in working hard and playing harder and makes sure to build in time for reading romance novels, listening to music, and fun exercise activities like rollerblading. Melanie, thank you so much for being here with us today. Of course, of course. It's my my pleasure. Thank you so much for your energy. I like to dive right in, right in. How did you discover your calling for closing the racial wealth gap? And why did you choose business ownership? I was tired. I was tired of being sick and tired. And I felt really, really helpless, right? Back in, I want to say 2015 or so, when... It was either right around like Mike Brown's murder or Freddie Gray's murder or, you know, even the release of George Zimmerman's verdict. And I felt like I couldn't protest like I had in college. In college, you know, I took to the streets and was protesting. And by this point, I was like, okay, there has to be a different way. There has to be a different way to, you know, maybe financially boycott. Is there a way that we can bring more awareness, more wealth to my community, the Black community? Um, and that is really just like what really sparked the journey that, I, that I've been on in. I chose business ownership specifically because for me, and if you think about generational wealth, entrepreneurship, building businesses, that's really one big way to increase wealth. And it just happens to be where my skill set lies too. Can you give us an idea? Because so many of our audience members here are women looking to transfer from their full-time job to a career that aligns a little bit more closely with their passions or their values. Can you share from your own personal journey, how did you navigate the transition from working a full-time nine-to-five job and then now your whole workday is devoted entirely to Minwo. And I know that's also a long yeah. story, but if you can give us like a sort of big picture overview of what those phases look like for you. We can start with the research phase. I thought that I would have some sort of plan to prepare for that transition. I even talked to one of my business school friends who was a founder at the time and asked her, you know, how did you prepare financially, mentally, emotionally, et cetera, et cetera. And when she gave me the answer of like, kind of just happened, I was like, oh, okay, yeah, well, that, that, that's for you. <laughs> I thought I would be better prepared. It ended up being the same thing for me. I was working at this company 
things have just changed drastically. I absolutely love that company and I probably would have been there my entire career. But as life has it, things changed in a very mentally just draining for me to the point where we were going through a round of layoffs. I was offered a severance package and I decided to say yes. I took the severance package and I left. The transition mentally and emotionally from having your whole day scheduled, planned by other people, having goals and things set by other people, and you're just executing to now my whole 24 hours is dictated by me and how I want to approach it. That was a big, big adjustment in and of itself. You know, Melanie, while you were speaking there, I I got chills up and down my arms because something that you just shared really echoes what other women have shared on this podcast when I ask them that same question. I've been having a lot of conversations with women who actually left good jobs, right? Actually left situations, as you said, oh, I really could have seen myself staying there a long time. And I thought that when I launched this podcast initially, I thought it was going to be conversations with women who were like, oh, I hated that old job or, Mm -hmm. you know, my boss was abusive or this thing happened. And that hasn't been the case. Wow. We're having conversations with women who we had to leave good things, which is a whole other sort of emotional pathway. So thank you for sharing that. You also referred to talking about how when you work for someone else, you're on their schedule and you're on the company schedule and they dictate all the employee schedules. And and now you're in charge of your own schedule. And I think I've asked you this before on our own personal calls, but can you give us an idea of what is it like being the founder of Minwo and what does your typical day look like? Yeah. I mean, in the early days when we were still trying to figure out direction and, you know, what exactly we were doing, it was hard to set a schedule for myself. Waking up at 12, going to bed at 3 a.m., I thought I was doing something, but I I had to become a little bit more disciplined and give myself a bedtime and make sure that I was up by a certain time. And then I started plotting what events back when we were allowed to go to events, what events did I need to attend in order to meet a certain person or learn a certain thing. Nowadays, it's very much Mondays are my heavy meeting days. They are the let's set the plan, the strategy for the week, meet with all of the different departments that I have, the department needs you know, just set strategy. Tuesdays are usually my one-on-one days. So I'll have one-on-ones with all of my team leads and then certain employees and, and interns. And then Wednesday and Thursday, thankfully, are usually days more so to myself where I can actually like sit down, plan, execute, work on applications. I'm constantly applying to accelerators and all those kind of things. And then Fridays is kind of just like a check back in. Did we meet our goals for the week? what's left, what's not left to do, and then, you know, just preparing for the next week. Lots of engaging, lots of talking. I have to make space for like deep brain work because you can get pulled in so many different directions. And if you don't block off time for yourself to like get to the heart of things and really think about strategy, stay three, four steps ahead of your team, it can be really challenging. Melanie, I really appreciate, because I'm also like an organizer and a planner. I really appreciate your sort of day-by-day overview and your detailed response because I can't tell you, and tell me if you have had this experience, every time I've asked a business owner or a founder or someone who runs their own schedule, and I always ask them, oh, give me an idea of what your daily life is like, they always respond back to me, oh, every day is different. 
And then that's kind of the end of the conversation. And I didn't learn anything from that response. Have you ever had that conversation with someone? No. And I get what they mean by every day is different because honestly, like we're just going through so much. We're growing so much. Things are changing all the time. One week or one day, our decision is this. And then the next day, we change. So I, I do get that. But at the same time, if you don't have some sort of structure in place, the life will kind of just pull you, right? It'll yeah. pull you in any different direction. You have to give yourself some structure. At least I have to give myself some structure. I really appreciate how you also said that you have to make sure that you conscientiously block off and designate time for deep thinking. And I think the way that we're living right now is asking us to switch gears so many times throughout the day. Yeah. I just really like how you said about just like really separating out the tasks that are energetically different. Yeah. It's important because this was actually a session that one of my founder friends, Teddy Renee, did with us about as a woman specifically, we go through a cycle, right? And it affects our energy. And so therefore we should plan our work around that energy, whether it's how you shape out your month, how you shape out your quarter, how you shape out your week, how you shape out your day. I've just become really much more in tune with Mondays and Fridays. And that's not deep work days. <laughs> those are, I can chat with other people and yep. have light conversations. That's what those days are for. Yep. Wednesday, Thursday, I don't feel like talking to other people. Those are the days that I can get work done. <laughs> you know, so it's just like increasing your productivity. You have to be mindful of how your body Well, and I think that, I think we saw this trend coming on even pre-COVID, but I think it's really been emphasized during shelter in place that when there were fewer entrepreneurs and fewer gig workers, right, we just had to show up to work. We had to adapt our energy into whatever the structure of the work or the business was. But now with so many more people working for themselves, we're realizing that we can actually optimize the success of our business and we can optimize our productivity if we actually put the quality of our energy first. And then that will dictate what will be the types of activities that we engage in for our businesses today. Yeah, no, 100%. So thanks, Melanie, so much for sharing kind of what that was like for you transitioning from your full-time and then bringing Minwo to your full-time work. I'm curious to hear, every time you made a step forward or every time you made a transition to what felt like the next step, what are some of the guiding phrases or overarching values or some of the mantras or sayings that have guided your decisions and your steps forward? Yeah, there have been definitely some pivotal moments in my life. And I think for me, as a young kid, I've always been someone that's known their own mind, right? Like that was something that me and my mom, we eventually came to an understanding about, but I've just always known like I was built for something. I was supposed to be doing something. And, you know, even though I've known that it's it hasn't made it any easier. <laughs> um, it hasn't made it any less difficult. And I find myself really just always coming back to, I'm, you know, big in my faith, I'm Catholic. And the concept of being a vessel for God to use is something that has been really big for me. And that can be really uncomfortable because a vessel, if you think of like a pipe, a pipe is a vessel, right? Like all it does is allow whatever you flow through it to flow through. How can I clear out the things that I think that I want. I had my way. I would have been married and had kids by 25. That's not the life that, you know, I'm living right now. And so just constantly just clearing my mind and staying focused on this is the purpose that my life is meant to be used by. And then more specific, there's a prayer that I learned in, in college. But the first line, God gave me strength to meet my life's demands. 
there was a time where I would wake up every morning and just repeat that over and over until I was I had the energy to get out of bed, right? Because it just it felt so hard. But I would just say, okay, God, give me same peace, my last demands, and just say it over and over again. So there's just a couple of things that have guided me in those more difficult transition periods. I appreciate you sharing so candidly and transparently about that effort to get out of bed in the morning some days. And I know that there are people listening to this conversation that are either going through that right now or have felt that at some time in their life. One thing about entrepreneurship that I think is so misportrayed online and in social media, it's like, oh, you're an entrepreneur and you wake up every morning and you're so excited for more success and you just go check more stuff off your list. And it's just like big win after big win. When you are walking the entrepreneur's path, the business owner's path, and your daily experience isn't exactly like that, it can be really helpful just to have heard that from you that, yeah, some of the days on this path are hard. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's like living in two equally opposite realities at the exact same time, right? Like I do wake up extremely excited about the mission and the vision and what we're doing and how we're doing it. That is very true. But I also wake up equally fearful, some days less fearful, but sometimes extremely fearful. Like, okay, like I've been on this journey for how long and revenue is at what? And there's a lot of things that weigh you down. So it's just about being able to find the ways that pick yourself up when you know the fears might be outweighing the, the positive facts. And that reminds me of what you said about women being aware of their different energy at different times of their cycles. On the days that we wake up in the morning where maybe our fears are heavy that day, we can remind ourselves that the only constant is change. When we wake up tomorrow, we'll probably feel a little different. The other thing you mentioned, I love how you described how you described our lives as a vessel, right? Can I serve as a vessel for a higher purpose or a higher power? I love finding the commonalities across all faiths and all philosophies. As you know, I spend the majority of of my time teaching yoga and meditation. And even though we call it something different, it's the same thing. We're talking about purpose-driven living and we're cleaning out our own energetic debris so that we might serve a higher purpose. Exactly. I love that. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's very much easier said than done. <laughs> oh, right. That's why it's a practice. <laughs> That's what I do love about yoga. It's a practice, right? It reminds you that you're never going to be perfect at it if you just keep working at it. Right. Exactly. Yeah. A lifelong journey. Melanie, who are your cheerleaders? Who has supported you in all of your big dreams along the way? Goodness. I have an amazing, amazing, amazing support system. Just real quick shout out to all of them. Yes. I've been in their inbox over the last two weeks, especially. I'm the type of person where I try to sprinkle <laughs> my thoughts around. And so I have college friends that have been amazing supporters, whether it's buying tickets to the conference that we just had or checking in on me, sending me zinc vitamins to make sure that I'm healthy. They have been phenomenal. I have amazing family. I actually moved back home in the middle of a pandemic across country. Do not recommend it to anybody out there. Just because you found our life, I saving money. I was living in Oakland and rent is expensive. So mm-hmm. my, my mom has welcomed me into her basement with open arms. Mm-hmm. And it's been lovely just being around. My dad is like my biggest cheerleader. <laughs> and my siblings, just, just being around them has 
helped to reground me and remind me of who I am. I have all of my track and field plaques up on the wall in my mom's kitchen. And it's just a reminder of I've done cool things. So it's just between my friends, between my family, I have high school friends even that are still around and supporting me and asking me how they can be helpful. It's just, it's been great. That's really cool, Melanie, the, the timing that you've headed home during the pandemic. Because my situation is similar to yours, that I'm in San Francisco, but my family is all on the East Coast like yours. The thing that's missing in my adult household are some of those reminders from childhood. Like I also did track and field, like track and cross country as well. Something else we have in common when we were growing up and, you know, in high school and we had those daily reminders of, oh, look how successful you were last week. <laughs> you know? So I think it's really cool that now you're doing your adult work, but like you get those visual reminders and, and you have your biggest cheerleaders in the next room. It's very, very cool. Yeah, it's great. Especially like my siblings. They they ground me, they keep me humble, but they also make me feel like I'm superwoman, right? They Aww. they tell me all the time how you know I inspire them and it's just like, okay, if nothing else, I'm doing it for them. So it's it's great. Very cool. That sounds like a fabulous support network. For people listening who are going through challenging times, I think it's important to hear if there was anyone who specifically told me that your dreams and your plans are not possible. And did that have an effect on you? And tell us about that. All all the time. When you're going after a really grand vision, like the one that I'm going after, closing the racial wealth gap, (laughs) people automatically start thinking critically, right? I wouldn't even say whether or not they support, but there's criticism. That's usually the first response. And in my early days, when I was less sure of myself, I took to chest just about any piece of feedback, good, mm-hmm. bad, otherwise, right? There were people that told me I wasn't the person to do it. There were people that told me that it's too niche focusing on, you know, Black founders, Black businesses. There were people that told me that I would fail without their help. And, you know, in those early days, it really it really felt like a gut punch each and every time. Over time, I want to say that you get used to it. <laughs> it's more so I think I've, I've just built a filter where it's like, okay, I have a little scale in my head that I can say, are they well-versed in this space? How much weight should I be putting into this piece of feedback, right? And it still doesn't feel great, but with my stronger filter now, it's like, mm, okay, but I probably shouldn't take that to check too much. So I've definitely had some of those. And then even before entrepreneurship, when I was still in my professional career, as a young woman trying to climb like the tech ladder, I had people that literally told me to be careful about who I told my ambitions to or like how ambitious I appear. And that was just for me in my earlier days, like, a, okay, not everybody's rooting for you. <laughs> not yeah. everybody wants to see you win. And it just helped me to, to be more mindful about other people's energy and read that better. Thank you so much for sharing. You're right. When we're at the outset of a journey, it seems like everybody has a really big opinion about what we're doing. And especially the people who really don't know anything about the industry. You know the least about the industry. How is it that you have such a, a large opinion? So, you know, and I would, I would literally sit there and let them continue to talk to me and tell me about things that they knew nothing about. And now, now, now not so much. <laughs> right, right. And it really resonates with me when you said over time, you develop a filter. And when you do get a piece of feedback, then there are people in our inner circle and closer network who can really reflect that back to us, whose opinions, you know, we really value and whose opinions really matter. So 
Thank you for sharing that. I also just try to be data oriented about it, right? So hearing that great feedback is not fun, but if it's two or three people that are saying it, then it's like, okay, maybe there's something here that I should look into. So finding a way to constructively absorb it as well. Right. Because there's like that emotional feedback, but then there's also data related feedback, which, you know, maybe if one person says something, it might be a fluke, but if you're right, two or three people, it's worth investigating. Very cool. One other thing I'd love to hear from your experience is if you can share from the actual journey or share from your decisions on the decisions pertaining to building an LLC, moving to a C-Corp, deciding on what the structure of your corporation would be. I'd love for you to share a little bit from that journey because so many people they get stopped straight out the gate. Like they have a big dream, but then they are so intimidated by the legal and logistical nuts and bolts that they don't get started. Anything you can share on navigating that or how to know when to make those decisions? I'd love to hear about that. In the very beginning, what I found was that there's a plethora of information out there, which makes it that much harder, right? Because there's just so many different ways that you can go about it you get to the point where it's like analysis paralysis and you just want to say <laughs> And so for me, after a while, you just have to make a decision. And so I started Minwell as an LLC. And that was because I was like, okay, well, we're a business, but we don't know, you know, how big we're going to be. And LLC is a little bit easier to maintain. It doesn't have as much like corporate structure that you need to have in place. So cool, do that. I eventually found a guy that's like a paralegal that was able to kind of explain to me the process, like in the state of California, you have to file this, you have to do this. And it's not super expensive. I think it was the filing fee was like 25 maybe $75. But it was just helpful to have someone to talk to to like, okay, check, I am making the right decision. So that was probably the most tricky part, just trying to, again, filter through all of the information that's out there. And then eventually, as Midwell became more mature, we realized it was time to incorporate as a C-Corp because our goal is to raise investor funding and investors have a specific way of a specific type of business that they want to see a Delaware C Corp. That's what I've heard just about from anybody that gave advice on the subject. So I was like, okay, Delaware C Corp it is. Again, I went back to my friend and he helped me with understanding what those processes are. So it was actually part of the reason why I'm building the company that I'm building and the way that I'm building it to have people that are well-versed in all of these different areas, right? So one of my struggles now is HR. I have a team, I have interns. What do I need to do to make sure that I'm compliant? And I have an HR consultant that's available to me now through my platform. And so that's just just making sure that you have people that if you have questions, if you need help, guidance through the land that is Google, you have people that you can talk to. So, Thank you for illustrating how it wasn't like you woke up and jumped out of bed one morning and said, oh, I know it's going to be a Delaware C-Corp. If you have a big dream, You don't have to wake up the next day and know I'm going to have two HR people. I'm going to have people get so in the weeds with that. And then that's why they can't move forward. You will learn as you go along. Literally, that's what I was just like. I'm still learning as I go. I'm currently raising a round of funding and I'm learning about how to raise a round of funding as I'm doing. Yes. And, you know, again, to go all metaphysical here on the conversation, I believe that the universe doesn't give us information until we're at a point where we're ready to use it. 
Very cool. And that was such a relief to me at the beginning of my journey, just hearing from other women who had walked a similar path. And they said, no, you don't, you don't have to have anything figured out at the beginning. You have to have your dream, your vision and your purpose and your desire to work. I was like, all right, all right. I have that. Check, check, check. Okay. Okay. Day one, let's get started. (laughs) Okay. So You've told us about the transition into running Minwo full-time. You've even told us about the legal structure of your company. Now we have a good overview. Now I want to hear, like, Melanie, now is your time to brag. Don't hold back. What are some of your biggest professional victories? What do you think are some of Minwo's biggest offerings? And where has your organization affected the most change? Yeah. Oh, that's a good question. I've led a very a very blessed life. I, I can't even deny that. I think for me, the biggest professional victory that I hold on to was the fact that I went to the Nigerian Olympic trials in 2012. And the reason that I hold on to that is because that was a seed that I planted my freshman year in high school, right? Like, my coach had discovered me, Coach Dixie, and I had no idea what track and field really was. I was kind of just like, oh, this is fun. You know, some of the athletes that he had worked with. I was like, you know what? I'm going to go to the Olympics. Freshman year, literally a few months in, I had no idea, no idea what that actually entailed. But for me, it's just a reminder of like the power of speaking things into existence. I had the most tumultuous track and field career. There, I was not about to run in college randomly had the best race of my life that got me to Georgia Tech to be able to run in college. Happened to have an athlete that was training under my coach that was on the previous Nigerian Olympic trial team was able to make that connection. And so for me, I hold on to that very dearly to remind myself like when things get tough now, it's like, okay, you've been here before. You've been able to accomplish the impossible. That's definitely um, my biggest. Okay, Melanie, hang on a second. I just like, <laughs> we can't just roll into the next topic here. Okay. So for everybody listening, Melanie and I can see each other because we're on a Zoom call right now and we're recording this. My mouth has been hanging open the whole time. Melanie, what was your event? The 100 hurdles. The 100 hurdles. Oh my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> do you still run for pleasure? Or are you training for something right now? Or I wish. No, I keep saying that I'm going to go back and coach high school. Yeah. Because it was just so pivotal for me. You know, like yep. track and field, it helped me afford college, I should say. Got it. And it's just, it's the foundation of how I approach life, right? Like an athlete's mindset, I think is something that is, it's precious, right? Like we, the way we see life, the way we attack challenges, the life that you have to live, that you have to balance as a collegiate athlete, wait in the morning, try to fit in practice between classes. It's been a large part of my life. So I do want to give that to the community somehow, some way. Wow. Uh, never did I think that I would be a sports podcaster like <laughs> the way I am today. Thank you, Melanie. Can you tell us about some of Minwo's biggest events, like things that we should always look for on our calendar every year or any of your ongoing offerings? Yeah, Minwo, especially over the last few months, has really just taken shape in a new way. Specifically, we every year we have our In the Black conference. We just had our second one last weekend. Such a great time to be able to work with business consultants of color. You know, it was all Black women this year that just exude excellence, right? And mm-hmm. can help you with your business, help you grow your business, to see people engaging in the chat, you know, asking questions. We had finance and accounting workshop that was probably the most 
well-received finance and accounting workshop I've ever seen, right? Like people, wow. people were engaged, you know, and that just for me is a tangible aspect of the mission and what we're trying mm-hmm. to, that gives me life every year. So definitely look out for that next year. Activating your allyship journey workshop, you know, that you mentioned in the intro, that was something that I started again out of frustration, right? Like the company started out of frustration. Mm-hmm. This workshop started also out of frustration with the resurgence of the Black Lives Matter movement yep. that was brought in late May, early June. And for me, I was just on Instagram and I was like, okay, to my white friends and my non Black people of color friends, what do you need to feel like you can be a better ally? Like, what would help you? And I just did a little poll. I was like, okay, if I put together a workshop, would you attend? I think I got like 10 responses. But the first two workshops were sold out at 100 seats per workshop. So it's taken on a life of its own. But again, it's a tangible thing for me to be able to see, okay, I'm making an impact. I'm helping people out. I'm helping people move the needle forward in these conversations. So those are something that we try to do once a month now. We hold corporate sessions as well. The corporate sessions have been, for me, life-changing because especially like the black employees that happen to show up and as a black employee at you know one of these bigger companies anytime i went to diversity training workshops i always sat back and i was like skeptical of what are we going to learn here what is this actually going to do and to see feedback from some of those that have attended tell me that it has been the most impactful workshop that they've attended that they feel like the burden has been released from them to help explain to their fellow coworkers what's going on, how they're feeling at work. That for me, it's like, you are who I'm doing this for. And to know that it's having the effect that I want it to have, that's been amazing. Those are just some of the things that we have going on, some of the things that keep me going. So it's been really exciting. Okay. Okay, Melanie. So we've got you running a company every day. We've got you morning till night closing the racial wealth gap, right? So give us an idea of your self-care strategy and what are you doing to make sure you take time to recharge, especially during a global pandemic as well? Give us an idea. Yeah, you caught me at a good time because the last couple of months, I wasn't doing such a great job. I actually got sick, I want to say in August, not COVID related, it was just stress related. Right after I moved and, you know, coming back Mm -hmm. to the house, it was a lot going on. So. I had to, again, recenter and be like, okay, in this new world that we're living in, in this new normal, what do my self-care routines and things look like? So when I started rollerblading, rollerblading for me is low impact, but a great way to get all of my balance muscles back. It was something that I used to be able to do with my eyes closed. And now you should see me. <laughs> I, could, I could barely get from the garage to the street. It was, it was so bad the first time. And have you improved over time? Yeah. 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 Now I can glide. Wow. You know, I'm doing turns. It's a great project to be able to see yourself go from like wobbly and nothingness to, okay, now your muscles are a little stronger. Right. You can do a little. So I've been just trying to take it as not so much a, I need to be a pro by tomorrow, but, you know, just enjoy the journey. Enjoy watching my muscles get stronger. Enjoy seeing my, my energy levels pick up. In addition to that, I've been intermittent fasting. I'm on the 16-8 for anyone out there that's an intermittent faster okay. as well. Yeah. Yeah. That for me has been about more so mental discipline than anything else. It's just been about, are you actually hungry or are you bored? Are you actually hungry or are you stressed? I'm using an, an app. So when, you know, 8.30 hit and I'm fasting, then, you know, when those late night cravings come, like, oh man, I could really use some cold stuff right now, but right. you're fasting, so you're fine. 
those are really just the two things that I've been trying to do, just working in, working out. Oh, and then I started just for this period of time, I started a meal kit plan as well. Factor 75 is a meal kit plan that I've used for the last time I was just trying to reset things. And it, right. it just helps having meals available and not having to plan my meals just because yeah. right now it's a little too crazy. Exactly. And then also, I am, I'm really glad you mentioned the 16-8 that you're doing because it's funny because I do a lot of nutrition work and nutrition coaching, but I'll be honest, I won't lie. I am a nighttime sofa snacker. I love it. I love putting on Netflix and eating chocolate. For me, it's chocolate. <laughs> yes. And yes. like, I'm not hungry, No, but it's my routine. It's an activity. It's a thing to do. For me, it's just like, okay. What I appreciate about intermittent fasting, at least the way I'm approaching it, is I still eat whatever I want during the yep. eight hours, right? Yep. Like, I'm not dieting in any yep. real way. I just have my cold stone instead of it being at 10.30 p.m., I have it at 2 p.m., you know? Yep. <laughs> so yep. I told myself I'm not restricting myself in any other way other than right. just eating windows. So. And that is really good because I think people try to do too much. They're like, I'm only going to eat during these times. I'm not eating this. I'm not eating this. Like, just pick one thing and do that. That's really cool. Thanks for sharing that. Mm-hmm. All right, here we go. Ready for some rapid fire questions? Yeah. I love these. Okay. <laughs> Melanie, what are you doing 10 years from today? 10 years from today. Oh, I don't know. Hopefully I'm on a yacht someplace with some warm <laughs> water. I'm really missing traveling right now. So. I'll be right there with you. Okay. We're going, <laughs> we're going on a yacht with warm water. Okay. Yeah. That is my goal. What are you most grateful for? I'm most grateful for, I would say my brother, Gregory. He has autism and he's nonverbal. So he just reminds me on a constant basis to be grateful for the abilities and skills and the talents that I have. Oh, we were talking about food. What's your favorite food? I have to say plantains. I'm Nigerian. We have plantains in the house. I'm constantly whipping up a batch. <laughs> and do you make those on the stove top or in the oven or... <laughs> So it's it's fried plantains usually. So it's in a deep fryer, sliced up. I like them on the softer side, not the harder side. Yeah, because I've had them like chips before. So you like them softer. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's controversial. You know, people are very... Okay. (laughs) (laughs) How they eat their plantains. A divisive topic. Mm -hmm. Yeah, sweet and soft. Who inspires you the most? Who inspires... Okay, this is going to be cliche, but my mom really inspires me. She went to law school with four kids, and at the time, she was holding it all down. And I just, when I went to grad school, I, it was just me, myself, and I, and it was right. so hard. Yeah. <laughs> so hard. So she just constantly, you know, is just an example of strength. Okay. When travel opens up, mm. where does your heart want to travel next? Nigeria. It's been, what, two years since I've been? Family, friends, amazing weather. <laughs> That's been on my mind lately. Fill in the blank. I like this one. People think I am blank, but I'm actually blank. People think that I'm stuck up. I've been told by people that eventually got to know me that they're like, oh, you come up with this very band office. But I would say I'm actually just shy. (laughs) I do have like extrovert tendencies, but it takes a while for me to get there. I have to feel comfortable. So yeah. Describe your perfect day. I'm either watching a Harry Potter movie or reading a romance novel. That is my perfect day when I just get to shut out everything and be in fantasy world. I don't think I've ever read like a paperback romance novel. So I'm going to ask you for some suggestions. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, <laughs> they're great. 
What's the best piece of advice you ever got? I don't know. That's hard. I, like I mentioned, track and field has been a big core, like value system for me. So there's like a lot of little things that my coaches have said throughout the years. But I think something that my college coach, Coach Paige mentioned one time was open up your strides. You're going downhill. It sucks already. Might as well open up your strides so that you're making the most of the whatever you're going through. The way that I translate that into like real life is it's hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Might as well do it well. And it's like, it hurts. It hurts so bad. But when he's like, you're taking the steps anyway, why prolong it? Exactly. Like, oh, you might be on something. Melanie, are you more likely to write a book or write a documentary? A book. Yeah, a book. I have two in mind already that at some point I'm going to sit down and write, but. All right. Let's swap notes. Let's swap (laughs) notes and let us be the first audience to know when your book is ready. I will. I will. This has been a Tune and Align podcast. Thank you so much for taking the time to tune into our conversations. And more importantly, thank you for taking the time to tune into the power of your dream. We'd love to hear your questions and engage with you over on our socials. Follow a Tune and Align and post your questions for Melanie and for our community in our feed. Tag us whenever you're taking action to attune to your heart and align your life using our hashtag attune and align. We can't wait to see what your heart will ask you to do next. My name is Marissa Lavalette, and from the bottom of my heart, thank you for taking this time to get clear on the things you want to manifest in your life. A woman living a life that aligns with her soul creates a powerful ripple effect in her relationships and in her communities. When you live your best life and share your unique gifts, you give permission for others to begin to do the same. Now go shine your light. Namaste.